Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, this is Todd Kearns from Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. This is the Sean Baker Orchestra with Which Way to Radio Land.
Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. Todd Kearns is our guest today. Wow, a lot of great talk from Todd, so uh, stay tuned for the interview with him in just a few minutes. He did some work with Bob Kulik recently, and he's going to tell us all about that. So definitely stay tuned for that. And I met Bob Kulik at the KISS Expo in Atlanta recently, and I was going to do an interview with him there, but it just got too crazy and it never happened. But I did get a picture with him and also got him to autograph the the uh, the Motorhead CD that he produced a couple, a few songs off of called Undercover. And yeah, I'll post that picture in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. But today's episode is really about Todd... So without further ado, let's uh, let's check out this Todd interview. And yeah, man, let's uh, first remind you to go to patreon.com slash talking metal. Join me there for exclusive content and just more than anything, just to show your support for this show. It's it's really the best way. It's a, a monthly pledge you give. Give $2 a month. Come on, you can do $2 a month, right? $20 a month if you can. Whatever you can do uh, is helpful and I really, more than ever, could use your support right now. I've gone into the, the reasons why on, on previous podcasts. I won't bore, bore you with that again here, but I, I need your help. So thank you for that, guys. And please keep using the Amazon links. There's also the PayPal donation thing you can do. My um, email is my PayPal account, striegelmark, S-T-R-I-G-L-M-A-R-K at gmail.com. And uh, if not anything else, if you can't financially afford to support us, leave me a message on our hotline, and I'll play it here on the podcast. I'd love to hear from you. 973-757-1917. Call the Talking Metal Hotline and leave a message. Let me know what you think of this episode, or leave a song request, and I'll play it on a future episode. Again, the Patreon account is P-A-T-R-E- on.com slash talking metal. My PayPal is paypal.me slash Mark Striegel. That's M A R K S T R I G L. All this stuff is listed in the show notes where we have our Amazon links, which we encourage you to use. Okay. Support Todd and his music. Go buy some of it on uh, Amazon using our links on talkingmetal.com or talkingrock.net. And without further ado, here's a little Bob Kulik and Todd Kearns music, followed by my interview with Todd. Ain't got no money Don't know no fancy yard Ain't got no business But I got you and I'm feeling like a rich man Can't pour no champagne Ain't got no four-star chef Ain't got no jet plane But I got you and I'm feeling like a rich man 
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and on the line, Todd Kearns. Todd, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. And coming into the the interview here, we just heard the song by Bob Kulik, Rich Man, which you were involved with, and Uh you recently did uh, a set with the Kulik brothers, which kind of set the uh, the internet on fire. It was, I mean, so cool. I wish I could have seen it live. So, I mean, I know you have so much other stuff going going on, and I want to talk to you about all that. But because we're such crazy Kiss fans here, can we can we start off talking about a little bit about how you got involved with with working with with Bob Kulik and Bruce Kulik on this uh, set that really kind of seemed to be the biggest news off the the Kiss cruise this year, and you were the guy on on bass and vocals for this great set. How did this all come about? Well, it's a, you know, it's a very interesting and long, (laughs) you know, history of just kind of knowing, I've known Bruce for years, Um, Brent Fitz, the drummer for Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators, of which I'm a part, um, used to play in Union, Gene, I mean, uh, Bruce's post-Kiss band. Sure. And uh, so he's had a long history with Bruce. And of course, I've known Brent for 20, 25 years now. I don't even know what the math is on that. And just so by osmosis, I've known Bruce as well. And um, uh, I was involved. Bruce put out BK3, his solo album, uh, about 10 years ago now. Great Maybe album. nine years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe closer to, yeah, I guess nine or eight or nine years ago anyway. And um, he did a, a CD release party. And Fitz and I both played his CD release party. He put a band together, uh, fits on drums, Adam from, uh, candle boxes on bass, I believe. And I played guitar and, and, and fronted. And we did a lot of, you know, that sort of hot in the shade, crazy nights kind of era songs, plus, um, the BK songs. And then, uh, Nick Simmons got up and sang a song. It was filmed for, um, for Gene's family jewels show. So there's an episode called, I think it's called Gene the Crocodile Hunter. I can't remember what the episode's called. But anyway, okay. you'll see, uh, if, anybody, if anybody wants to go back and, and dig into that, they'll see a, a little clip of that. So anyway, um, as time has gone by, you know, and I've, I've, I've played with Bruce a number of times in different um, live situations. Somewhere along the line, I met Bob. I'm trying to think when exactly that would, I just kind of, it's funny how like just, you just seem like you've always known <laughs> each other and right. then... Uh, uh, with Bob, it became a thing of, uh, you know, he's, he, he relocated to Las Vegas. He started working, um, uh, on his skeletons in the closet record and yeah, he just called and took a chance on me that, uh, he goes, look, Bruce speaks highly of you. Fitz speaks highly of you. Would you like to come down and sing on a track? And I'm like, of course, you know, it'd be my pleasure. And, uh, and in doing so, you know, it ended up being the lead-off track, which was very exciting, and uh, you know, it turned out great. I mean, I'm all really thrilled with the way that track turned out. And then from there, uh, Bob and I and, and Fitz again were always kind of continually jamming in Las Vegas. Um, Bob was sort of like, I'm, I would like to kind of be sort of semi-ready to, you know, do something, you know, in a in a live setting if I have to do some sort of. Uh, showcase or some sort of, uh, you know, appearance, it would be great to have you guys, you know, be the band and we'll figure out 
how that's going to work. And so we kind of uh, had already kind of, you know, gotten our, our, our feet wet with each other. We'd already kind of gotten our feet wet with Bob's brother. So it's kind of like having this experience with both brothers and then, but never together at the same time. And then the Kiss Cruise came up. Um, both brothers were going to be appearing as, uh, as guests. Uh, I think more like panel guests and kind of, you know, that kind of thing. Right. I had never been on a Kiss Cruise. Have you ever been on a Kiss Cruise? I have not. No, I've not been on a Kiss Cruise. Yeah, so I had not been on one, so I was kind of, you know, I'd always wanted to. I thought that'd be really fun. So I don't think I can afford um, when it. When it came up, they're, they're kind of expensive. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think that was kind of part of my thing is with, you know, whether it's schedule or just being able to to dig in and, and make the commitment to like, you know, going out there for five days and spending the, the dough is is uh, is kind of a thing, but uh, when it came up, we both, you know, we we just sort of, uh, you know, well, maybe we could get both brothers and 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 play a set, you know, and and sort of cover Bob's era, Bruce's era. I mean, we really didn't cover anything, you know. There was never sort of a should we throw in rock and roll all night, you know? Right. It just seemed yeah. like kind of a a moot point to me. It just seemed like why would we do that? We're going to do stuff that Bruce has played on and stuff that Bob has played on. And to be honest, uh, you know, to me as a fan, I was like, dude, this is the coolest set I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Like just like as a fan seeing uh, just stuff that's either never been played live or has not been played live in a long time, at least by the band. You know what I mean? So for us, it was kind of like, um, you know, it was the set was pretty simple to put together in a funny way, like. I sort of left it to, you know, these are the Bob songs and, and then Bruce just, you know, there's a wider sort of variety for Bruce, but, um, you know, he came back with some, some deep cuts. I mean, we've, we've done some weird, not weird, but you know, uh, some deep cuts from, uh, revenge. Um, uh, I don't even remember what the hell we played off the top of my head, but, uh, you know, we, we managed to dig pretty deep when it comes to Bruce and, yeah. uh, in the past, you know, getting into things from revenge or things from carnival of souls and whatnot. So, um, you know, it just makes for when we played the show, you know, in all the we only got together one time uh, to rehearse in Las Vegas. Really? Due wow. to Bruce's availability. Yeah. And it was like a month before the actual show. So it was kind of like this sort of like, I don't know, like having a, a, a wedding rehearsal a month before the actual day. And hope I remember all my stuff, you know. And, um, you know, but these, you know, these guys are all professionals and we had all sort of done our homework and, um, we took it, we pretty, took it pretty damn seriously and showed up. And, um, to be honest, when, when we played the show, it was sort of like, I don't know that there was any final announcement that the Keelick brothers were going to be playing, um, uh, playing a set at all. It just sort of filtered out to the, into the universe that the brothers are going to be playing right. with, with some guys we're not really sure. And then, um, we played and it, and it was, you know, it was amazingly well received. You know, I've played in South America and places like that where the audience is singing every single word. And uh, it was like that, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, wouldn't, wouldn't you like to know me off Paul's solo album as sung by a boat full of people, you know, it was, uh, it was very, very intense. And then, you know, and, and I, I didn't know how it would be received. You know, I just kind of assumed like, like anybody, it's kind of like, look, we're, we're all there to see kiss, you know, we're all there to see, um, the guys and, uh, everything else to me sort of seems kind of like extra, I don't know, like a side dish per se. Okay. Uh, even though, you know, Bruce and Bruce and Bob's very deep, um, you know, connection to that world. 
um, you know, I just didn't know what to expect, walked off stage and I just sort of was talking to, uh, some guys from Gene's band, Gene Solo's band and solo band or whatever. And, um, and somebody goes, those people are waiting to talk to you. And I kind of turn around and there's this massive amount of people kind of, you know, just saying, dude, that was the, you know, the most incredible set. And, and I was like, Oh, wow. Thank you. Cause you really, I mean, as a performer stepping outside of the, you, you kind of don't have any idea of how your, uh, your performance goes. Your perspective is usually kind of like sometimes, you know, you get caught up in like, I broke a string or, Oh, this or that, or the monitors were weird or whatever. But, um, you know, I think people really, you know, there were <laughs> grown men in tears and the whole thing, you know, I was right. like, wow, this is, people are really taking this very seriously. And I, uh, as I was as well, you know, like I said, from the beginning, I would never show up and not know my, not know my stuff. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and those songs are a part of my DNA, as I'm sure they're part of yours and they're yeah. part of millions of other people's DNA. So to me, it was like, I'm not going to go up there and, and then half-ass my way through hide your heart or, or, you know, tonight you belong to me. It's like, it's gotta be right. And, right. um, so we, 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 we did as close as we could. Bruce and Bob are both pros. You know, when, when Bruce plays a solo for tears are falling, it's the solo from tears are falling. Like right. he does not. You know, he, he's, you know, a, a surgeon when it comes to how he, uh, he performs. And, uh, I just want to make sure we're as, as on point as him. And, and you were, I mean, from the clips I saw the, and the people I've spoken with, which include, you know, my friend Mitch Lafon was raving about your vocals. And then of course I spoke with Eric from Kiss and he, he was doing the same. So you did a great job. And, and I, as a Kiss fan, you know, and I know Bob has hinted at this, and I, I just want to ask you: Is there is there any chance? Because as a as a Kiss fan, I want to see this in the clubs or in a theater that you guys would go out in the road with this. I I certainly think you know uh, I can only say a possibility in that we would love to do it. You know what I mean? Um, scheduling is always a, a you know a, a bear to wrestle with um, because Bruce is very busy with. Uh, with everything he has going on, Fitz and I are both busy with usually the same things together, but uh, we all also have our own stuff as well. And um, it's just a matter of kind of working it out. I really think it would be uh, a real shame not to, but you know, it's the kind of thing that it'd be a real shame to remember that time in 2017, we did that one thing that one right. time it, was, you know, it just seems kind of weird that that would happen. I honestly believe that it, that it, um, that it, it will rear its head in one fashion or another. So, um, you know, with guys like Mitch and Eric, it's, it's, it's been really kind of like, uh, you know, they've been far too kind about the entire thing. And for me, it's, it's an honor to, to, to stand there and, and, and I don't know, I, I'm, ha I would have been happy to go on the kiss cruise, watch kiss, yeah, watch extreme, watch steel Panther, buy some merch and go home. You know what I mean? Like that I'm a fan. So to me, it's kind of, but to be a part of it and to be, uh, you know, to be so, uh, you know, for it to be so well received was, uh, you know, was, was more than I could have asked for. Awesome. Well, fingers crossed that we get to see you out on the road with the Kulik brothers at some point. That would be great. Um, of course, you're one of your, you got so much stuff going on, but I want to try to touch upon as much of it as we can. Uh, your, your highest profile gig, I guess I would call it is, uh, you know, your work with Slash and, and Miles. Have you guys spoken about doing more work together? I know Slash has been so tied up with Guns N' Roses this past 
year and a half, two years. Is is there a yeah. future, is there a future plans with him? We are always in constant contact. You know, it's kind of one of those things where um, that's another thing where I, I, I you know, I, I feel that it will reconvene when when the time is right. And uh, I mean, it's always been an interesting thing because. Um, Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and conspirators started off as supporting uh, Slash's solo album in 2010. You know, right. myself and Brent Fitz both kind of came into that with this sort of Slash had made a record with multiple vocalists, um, Lemmy, Iggy Pop, uh, Chris Cornell, uh, Kid Rock, a bunch of different voices on this one record. And Miles Kennedy happened to be one of those voices, and uh, we all know what an immense talent he is. So, um, yeah, we just, you know, it, it, it's just weird how that thing kind of fell together um, and how it sort of stayed together for a long time. Uh, you know, with the fact that we kicked out two albums with that lineup, Apocalyptic Love in 2012 and then the World on Fire in 2014. Um, you know, we, you know, we did great work together. And um, the interesting Absolutely. thing about that band, like a, the SMKC slash featuring Miles Kennedy conspirators has always been sort of, uh, you know, project oriented in a sense, like, although it sort of was very sort of full on for pretty much six years, it was always sort of like miles has always been a part of Alter bridge. You know what I mean? And slash has always had his own stuff going on. I actually have all my own stuff going on. Brent Fitz has things going on. Right. And it's sort of like, it's sort of a weird, like in a weird way, how this kind of like little project became, you know, it just moved to the top of that priority list. Um, when Miles went back to do Alter Bridge in 2016, you know, it was sort of like, you know, we, as a fan, and this is me speaking as a fan of, of rock and roll, as big a fan as I am of, of Kiss and everything else, to see Guns N' Roses reform to me was... Um, and to see it from such a close vantage point, you know, being a part of Slash's world, um, was very exciting, you know, and, and as his friend, it was sort of like, dude, you got to do that. You know what I mean? Like, like, right, right. Just as a history of rock and roll thing, it's like, you've got to go and, and chase that down. And, uh, you know, and so, you know, when it just seemed like the perfect opportunity, look, Miles is going to be doing a year or two years at least of, of Alter Bridge. So, um, it only makes sense that this is probably the, the moment to do so for Guns N' Roses. Um, I, of course, not really being privy to the inside ways all of that works. Um, you know, all I know is that it's sort of like something that just sort of presented itself and, um, and slash, uh, you know, wisely sort of, uh, I say wisely, not, you know, just, you know, for himself or even monetarily, I think more wisely just for we, the listeners and, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, appreciators of, of rock and roll. You know, I think that that's one of the last great reunions that's ever going to happen is Guns N' Roses. I mean, I mean, which is still maybe Stephen, maybe Izzy someday. You never know. I guess that door's still open. But there really are very few actual reunions that I think are going to be as as uh, hugely received as the Guns N' Roses one. So to yeah, be I mean, in such close proximity to it has been, has been pretty exciting. The fourth, I think the fourth biggest tour of all time, I, I heard it was. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's stuff. insane. Yeah, and I saw it like, you know, four or five times. I can't remember, just like along the way. And, um, you know, it's been really interesting for me. Um, 
you know, I, uh, to, to see it from that perspective. I never saw the original Guns N' Roses. I never saw Appetite or, or Use Your Illusions versions of the band. I never even saw Axel's version with, with DJ and, and, and Bumblefoot and those guys. I'm like one of those guys that if there's something going on, I'm probably playing that night, so I'm going to miss it. The <laughs> story of my life, it's a good problem to have. And, a, a, you know, a, a, my, my whole life has kind of been like that. It's like, dude, Tom Petty played last night. Here. Damn it. You know, so I've a lot of artists have gone, you know, come and gone that I never even got to see live because I'm always playing or, right. or in a studio or doing something. Um, but yeah, it, um, I really, you know, it's, I'm saying that with com- complete confidence that at some point, you know, we were always in constant contact with Slash and, and Miles and, and everybody's kind of doing their own thing. And, and when the time presents itself, we'll, uh, we'll reconvene. Miles has, a, has an amazing solo album coming out right away. Um, Year of the Tiger, which is fantastic, what I've heard of it. Guns N' Roses is doing some summer dates. So the fact that that's going on, I mean, to me, sort of, you know, I'm kind of like, hey, call it Kulix, let's go play some rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. And, and yeah. I mean, you stay busy, like you said, playing gigs all the time. You do acoustic stuff. Um, you had a, a live DVD that came out rather recently, live at the B-Side Lounge. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about that? Well, it's a funny thing, you know, my whole life it's been, um, I'm from Canada originally. I came down to the States 11 years ago, although I've sort of been in the States my entire life playing and touring and recording and and everything as well. But uh, I made a, I didn't even really, I was going to say a conscious effort to move to the States, but that would be a complete, uh, it would be uh, incorrect. It was sort of a unconscious uh, decision to move to the States. I kind of came down to help a band out in, in Vegas, um, with some recordings, some friends of mine, and, uh, just sort of, you know, fell ass backwards into a bunch of stuff. I, I started playing in this, um, 20th anniversary version of faster pussycat with Brent Muscat. Right. right. And we went over to, we went over to Europe and did a bunch of dates and then came back to Vegas and put together the sin city sinners. And that was, that was, uh, a very popular, Las Vegas uh, thing for many, many years, and the Slash Pig came along. But um, along the way in Canada, you know, I was part of a band called The Angel Electric uh, that had, we were a gold-selling act with my brother, yeah, and we just did a reunion tour last year to celebrate the 20th anniversary of um, the last album we ever made. The band was broken up for 17 years when we started playing shows together just in 2000. Actually, at the end of the um, World on Fire 2015 tour, okay. there was a one-off Age of Electric reunion show, and then it sort of spun into uh, a bunch of stuff during 2016, and then we released uh, 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 like a great uh, uh, an EP, and then a, a repackaging, uh, 20th anniversary packaging of uh, the album we had at the time. So we did across Canada. It's a Canadian thing, so for me, it's it's always amazing to go home and get to do. Um, that, so we went across Canada a couple times, I think. And, and then just, uh, then I was back down here. The acoustic thing is sort of, a um, I've always been a huge, uh, you know, I love the Neil Young's and the Bob Dylan's and uh, somewhere along the line, way, way back, someone said to me, Hey, we're doing an, uh, an acoustic night. And it was to raise some money, um, for some charity, which escapes me at the moment. And, uh, and I was like, sounds fun. Oh, I know what it was. It was um, 
they were raising money um, for breast cancer, and all these guys were going to be singing versions of songs by female artists, okay. like men singing females. And I was like, oh, that sounds that sounds really cool. And I think I did like uh, Stevie Nicks or Chrissy Hind or I can't imagine what I probably played, but I was like, sounds great. I'll be there. You know, acoustic guitar standing by myself on stage. And then I hung up the phone and thought to myself, I've never done this before. <laughs> it was like 20 years ago now or something. But, you know, it was something that I've always flirted with and I've always really, really been a... I've always really loved the Johnny Cash put out these records, the uh, first one in 94 with Rick Rubin called American Recordings, sure. uh, I think five in, in total. And they were all just him and, a, and an acoustic guitar. And to me, they really rattled me like in a way that it really kind of spoke to me. And um, people like Jeff Buckley or his father, Tim Buckley, you know, that, that sort of singer songwriter thing has been around forever. And some of the best, um, you know, uh, rock players and punk players and everybody else, um, can sort of stand on stage with an acoustic guitar and entertain you for an hour or, or however long it takes. And so that's sort of something I've always entertained that side of myself. And in 2013, I put out a record called, yeah, it was between, it was actually, uh, just between, um, the, uh, apocalyptic love record and world on fire. I, I, I've put out an album called borrowing trouble. That was largely an acoustic based record. um, had an EP called near life experience. And so I, I've sort of been cranking out solo albums for years with crowdfunding and a lot of the crowdfunding stuff I really love because it's so much more, um, you know, cause I come from punk rock in a sense, certainly in a DIY, I was going to say DUI, which would be hard to think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't want DIY, that, yeah. <laughs> do it yourself kind of uh, mentality from my bands back in the day. And, I love this kind of connection to the to the audience, and um, so you know I've managed to crank out a bunch of music on my own over the years, and uh, that's sort of how I ended up, um, you know, just showing up all around, uh, well, North America mostly with an acoustic. I finally did like just at the uh, Viper Room in December here in Los Angeles, and that was, uh, you know, that was kind of a big deal for me because that's where. Um, Johnny Cash did the the '94 uh, kind of showcase for his '94 American Recordings album, and that's kind of it was sort of like this, you know, uh, you know, sort of a serendipitous kind of like, oh, okay, well, this has all kind of come full circle to what inspired me to has led me to here, and you know, it's amazing, and it was sold out, and it was fun, and it was it was great, and I, I continue to do it. Um, uh, I would love to go to Europe with it at some point. Um, it's always something that I. I I think I could do. When you're doing these acoustic shows, you know, I, I watched some clips online. Uh, like I saw you do the, the Temple of the Dog song, which sounded great. Um, I, how oh, much yeah. <laughs> how much covers do you do uh, and how many originals? Is it a, like a 50-50 split or is it what's, – what's the set list like? <clears throat> it's mostly my own material. Okay. Um, right. but, uh, but I do sort of like, you know, it's been rarely very well planned, frankly. It's sort of – you would think after all these years that I would have gotten a little bit more professional about my preparation. But I think that even with preparation, I always sort of like tried to walk on stage with the look, anything can happen here tonight. And I think, you know, standing up there with an acoustic guitar is one step away from being a stand up comic as far as like you don't have drums and bass and loud guitars to fall back on. It's just you and a guitar. So if your voice cracks or, uh, I don't know, you break a string, it's sort of like you're just up there. It's basically like standing up there and pulling your pants down and just asking the world what they think, right. you know. It's, kind of, <laughs> it's a little bit 
nothing to hide behind but uh nothing to hide behind at all except for yeah except for your guitar but um you know uh you know and i'm one of those people who's a bit of a jukebox and i know a thousand songs so when people start shouting out you know it can kind of get carried away and the next thing you know we're we're playing prince or we're playing you know temple of dog like you said stuff like that kind of uh, jesus christ superstar (laughs) like you know it's like it's kind of gone in like some pretty crazy directions and uh and that's really like the way I prefer to do things anyway is, is a little bit uh, in different parts of my life, different things that I do. There's so much more arrangement in a set list. And this is how it and, and I always appreciate that. And then I like to kind of head into a world that gets a little bit more into an Eddie Comp and we'll see what happens kind of kind right. of thing. And, um, you know, and it's just you and not in an audience. It's sort of that turns the audience into being like the band or something. I don't know, like we're all in this together and let's just see what happens kind of thing. Cool. So that's kind of, uh, so yeah, we, you know, that's something I carry on doing. And, and you do, you know, you do the, the acoustic guitar stuff. Of course you, you, you play bass in, in Slash's band and, and then you, I know you're playing guitar and in, in toke, I believe. Well, what do you prefer guitar or bass? You know, people always ask me that. It's a funny thing. Cause I, uh, um, you know, somebody once said to me, uh, are you a bass player or a guitar player or a singer? And I always kind of just answer with musician, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of, even though that seems like the most doofy answer there could be, but it's sort of like, I just love music so much that if I was a better drummer, I'm sure I'd be doing drums somewhere else. Right. You know, I could be like Todd's playing drums for this band, you know, cause I just love playing so much. And I love creating and I love being a part of, of, uh, stuff that it's kind of like, I'm like, that would be, it, it keeps me kind of sharp. And to be honest, every time I step into a gig, like we're about to do Tuke, um, which is the kid, that's a whole other subject too, is Brent Fitz and I from, um, um, Slash's band and from the Hewlett brothers have, uh, we're both Canadian and we have this, uh, great love of old Canadian classic music. So, uh, Corey Churko, a very good friend of ours. I've known Corey for, I don't even know how long, honestly, it's probably 30 years now. Um, we're both from, uh, the remote area in the frozen tundra. Um, he plays with Shania Twain and he plays with, um, Kelly Clarkson. So we've, uh, the three of us kind of just started like entertaining the idea of what it would be like to record these old songs that are kind of, you know, as a tribute and an homage to the music we loved, April Wine, you know, Lover Boy, right? the ones that are kind of more Lover Boys in there. Uh, yeah. Uh, a lot of stuff that came, um, Americans or Europeans or Japanese, Australian, South Americans may not know. You do Honeymoon um, Suite? Kind of part Didn't of the there a Honeymoon Suite cover? Honeymoon Suite, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's in there. So it starts off, it started off with a lot of, uh, you know, our love of this music. The whole intention was there's a lot of great music that no one has ever heard because it's just such a regional thing. It'd be like... There was a band from Buffalo, New York, you know, that we really loved that no one ever heard. You know, it'd be like that kind of thing. Right. But it just happened to be like popular in Canada or popular regionally in Canada, but would never be known anywhere else. Bands like the Queen City Kids or Orphan, um, those kind of bands that we usually dug deep and said, if we're going to do this, let's include some stuff that we would like to almost like an educational sense of like, and there's also these great songs. And, and that's been a really cool thing for us because the intention was to go, look, it would be great for some person in Japan to go, I like this song, you know, cause they never would have heard that song. Had they not, had we not done that, you know? Um, 
so anyway, we're getting ready to do NAM right away, um, coming up next weekend, I guess. And that's the big thing here in Anaheim, the, the, sure. the big convention for, uh, all that. So we're playing a party there. Uh, and that I play guitar on and I sing cool. some sort of the, in the, in the Paul Stanley position, right, right. um, singing and playing guitar. And, um, you know, that goes back to my thing of like, I never wanted to be Eddie Van Halen cause I grew up on the Ramones and kiss, you know? So I was kind of like, uh, I always, um, I've always loved the value of a very strong rhythm guitar. My heroes are guys like well, Paul Stanley and Keith Richards and Malcolm Young. And then there's a whole other, you know, realm of lead guitar players that, you know, from those very same bands, um, that I think are, you know, are my favorite guitar players. Um, so to me, it's, uh, you know, I just never really kind of wanted to be a lead guitar player, even though I can get around a little bit. Paul McCartney's always been a great hero of mine, I think, as he is to a lot of people. And uh, he bounces back and forth between bass and guitar and keys. And he's also a pretty darn good singer and songwriter. Um, but uh, a lot of people forget that he only became a bass player because he was the guitar player in the Beatles before uh, uh, Stu quit. Um, and he said, well, I'll pick up the bass, you know, and then sort of became uh, a real legend on the bass guitar. So to me, it's like, it's a really different thing to be able to play bass. Right. Um, convincingly because a lot of guitar players will pick up bass and won't quite have the right feel or whatever. But, um, you know, to me, it's, uh, you know, it's very natural to, to be jamming on, on guitar and then just suddenly just pick up bass and whatever else it's sort of, to me, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of part of the same, the same part of my brain. Right on. Cool. Two quick questions. Different before... parts of the same part of my brain. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Definitely. Um, two quick questions before I let you go. The uh, you ha- you performed with Hookers and Blow uh, n- numerous times. Still kind of in that Guns and Roses family. Um, just wondering how that all came about, and if you think you're going to be doing more with them. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I've known Dizzy for years. Dizzy, um, I played with long before I ever played with Slash. Um, uh, you know, he's been the longest standing member of Guns N' Roses other than Axel, you know, and very few people kind of really think about that, but it's true. Yep. Um, and he has a solo album coming out soon too, which we're all very excited to hear. Uh, we played one of the songs live. Um, so hookers and blow is like his fun side project band. It's a lot of covers, a lot of Guns N' Roses and, um, Alex Grossi from uh, Choir Riot on guitar and Johnny Kelly from Typo Negative on the drums, whose Typo was a massive influence on me. So hanging out with Johnny is just me asking lots of annoying questions about Typo. Um, he plays right. with Danzig now. Um, he's he's a legend. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, I think, I think the world of those guys. Um, so we did a, you know, it was a New Year's Eve um, run started off as a new year's eve gig and then uh four or five shows built around that just before um uh you know just before new year's so yeah we just kind of been playing and i'm sure something like that will will pop up again chip chips and offs out there right now playing bass for those guys Um, oh is he okay i didn't even know that uh, cool right now yeah and then um so you know i'm kind of one of those guys like there's always uh, you know, a little bit of a have gone well travel, but, 
you know, but I also am very focused on my own, what I got going on. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, that, that's a, a distinct possibility that I could, uh, that I could end up doing something with those guys as well. Cool. Cool. And last question, kind of very random on your website, you, you list a, a lot of people that you've shared the stage with everyone from Lemmy to Adam Levine to Fergie. But the one, the one name that kind of jumped out at me, which I had to ask you about Bill Murray, how, where, where did you share the stage with the, the great <laughs> comedian, Bill Murray? We're just talking about, you know, cause it's like, uh, yesterday, um, slash and I were just talking about how we had played this charity. Um, I played it with, uh, my band, the Sin City Sinners back in the day. Um, for, um, the great chef, Carrie Simon, who unfortunately has left us. But, uh, at the time we were playing a, a benefit show for him and all the guests were, um, all slash was a guest, Sammy Hagar, um, Billy Duffy from the cult, uh, Kip Winger. I'm trying to think who, I think Alice Cooper was there. It was quite a night. It was, a uh, Matt, Matt Sorum came up, um, it was pretty crazy and no one really expected it, but, but, uh, Bill Murray showed up and basically hosted the entire night Wow! and, uh, was incredibly generous and like really cool. And I was like, wow, I was, I was pretty blown away. Like I'm a massive, massive fan. And, uh, you know, he just walked right up to me and shook my hand and said, you know, it was just a very sort of like, how you doing kind of thing. And I'm like, good, good. Uh, you know, I said, you're going to come up and sing. And he's sort of like warming up, you know, I just kind of laughed at that. I was like, right. Cause he's kind of like, uh, if you ever see him, you know, he'll, you know, bust out star Wars or something like that, sing some crazy like that. But, yeah, uh, yeah. he and Carrie, uh, Carrie Simon, um, the guy we were doing the, uh, charity for had been roommates apparently in Chicago, like back in the seventies or something crazy like that. So wow. I, I didn't really even know this history, but Bill showed up and and basically just emceed the night, which was just, no one expected this. No one saw it coming. And, um, like I say, he was just really cool and really approachable and really just sort of there. And, uh, yeah, that was about that. It's wow. kind of a weird it's, story, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. Legendary guy. Definitely. It was, I, did you see uh Saturday night live uh, this past weekend? He was, he was on that. Co- that's how that's how the conversation started because we were just watching that clip and then uh, with you and Slash, Slash and I just started yeah. talking. Yeah, we just yeah. started went back and forth on that. It was so funny, but uh, uh, yeah, no, he's a, he's a legend. I mean, I, I, that's the thing. I've I've been very fortunate to share the stage with a lot of you know, like Lemmy is is you know, in a lot of ways, um, you know, for me as a, as a kid, I, I grew up on you know, in that weird sort of world of i grew up in a small town so i never really had that sort of like you these people listen to heavy metal and these people listen to classic rock and these people listen to punk rock and these people listen to new wave it was just sort of a small town and we just liked everything we liked and it just was a sort of a a real mix of everything you know so i really felt feel fortunate that i didn't grow up well i later on became a lot more of a regimented punk rock thing of where you're not really supposed to be listening to things like Kiss and Led Zeppelin. But I was kind of like, Dude, I don't follow these rules. You know, I, I like to listen to what I want to listen to. Right. It's the same in sort of like, you know, in different, like uh, you can appreciate prog, prog rock and not, and then still appreciate, I don't know, the Ramones, you know what I yeah, mean? That's sure. sort of like the world that I lived in. And, um, 
you know, so to me, guys like Lemmy, you know, he was, you know, I don't know, like from Olympus or something. Like, I never right. really expected to be in any sort of circle with the guy. And then you know, we played with him many, many, many times with Slash, and uh, and 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 outside of that too, I played with him. And you know, you get to a point where you know the guy, and then you know, it's it's just a weird thing. So. You know, Alice Cooper and Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick and, and all of these people that I grew up on and was such a fan of, you know, now are, you know, people that I shared the stage with and uh and and and, and played with. Awesome. I mean Fitz our our drummer Fitz our drummer Fitz plays currently with in Gene Simmons' solo band. You know, I've been a KISS fan my whole life and, and uh I have a KISS pinball machine in my living room, so it's you know, I, I, I sort of have always not necessarily avoided meeting the guys. I just sort of like I never wanted it to be like I didn't. Even, I'm not really a fanboy kind of guy as much as I am a fanboy kind of guy. I just don't want to. I'm not. I'm kind of. I'm a nice Canadian guy. Doesn't want to bother anybody. But um, you know, I've met Paul on the on the road when we when we did some festival days together, and he was amazing, really cool. And I find the first time I met Gene was on this cruise. You know, and it was just sort of like in you know in a very sort of whirlwind of Eric Singer activity. Eric's a good friend and. uh and Gene was amazing. So, you know, I, I just, you know, it's, it's really cool to be able to kind of, I never will lose that sort of like, you know, I love rock and roll. Like I really do. Like to me, meeting Keith Richards or meeting Paul McCartney would be mind blowing. And I'll never really lose that kind of, that kind of, uh, and I don't think you should, you know, I never want to become like, Oh, Ringo stars over there, whatever, you know, <laughs> to me, it's like, that's a big deal, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. And, uh, you've really, I mean, it's amazing the people you've played with through the years. And I was trying to think now, Brent, I saw him playing with, was he playing with uh, St. Hol- Derek St. Holmes? I, I feel like I saw him out in the road. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Whitford St. Holmes. Yeah. yeah Whitford St. Holmes. That's yeah. I saw them open for white snake and I was actually, I was talking to Brent after the, mm-hmm. after the, the show. So yeah, let him know. We'd love to have yeah. Brent on talking metal too. He's got quite a history. It'd be great to catch I up will. with him at some point. I will. I'll let him know for sure. And uh, yeah, Todd, thank you. If Eric you. has done it, then I'm sure we'll all, we'd all love to do it. Eric is, uh, <laughs> you know, we all, we all looked up, look up to Eric, even though he's, you know, a bit smaller than I. Right. Yeah. Slash did it a long time ago. It's been, I think, almost 10 years at this point, but he was, he was on about 10 years. Oh, wow. So we'd love to have him back too. But oh, wow. It's been great talking with you, Todd.
Shadow Life, a song written by Todd Kearns, Slash, and Miles Kennedy. Again, that's off the World on Fire record by Slash, featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. And, of course, uh, Todd Kearns is a part of that band. Wow, he's got his hand in so much stuff. What a talented guy. What a great conversation. What a nice guy. I hope to meet you soon, Todd. And, yeah, keep us posted on everything you're up to. That's going to do it for today's episode. So thanks so much for listening, and check us out next time. Visit our site, TalkingRock.net and TalkingMetal.com. One, two, three. Four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.